Section six of Why Frau Frohmann Raised Her Prices and Other Stories. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Why Frau Frohmann Raised Her Prices by Antony Trollope. Chapter six Hof the Butcher. The lawyer returned to town, and on the next day the money was sent out to the Brunnenthal. Frau Frohmann had not winced when she demanded the sum needed nor had she shown by any contorted line in her countenance that she was suffering when she asked for it but in truth the thing had not been done without great pain year by year she had always added something to her store either by investing money or by increasing her property in the valley and it would generally be at this time of year that some deposit was made but now the stream which had always run so easily and so prosperously in one direction had begun to flow backwards it was to her as though she was shedding her blood but as other heroes have shed their blood in causes that have been dear to them so would she shed hers in this if it were necessary that these veins of her heart should be opened she would give them to the knife she had scowled when peter had told her that more cows must be bought but before the week was over the cows were there and she had given a large order at Innsbruck for poultry, to be sent out to her, almost irrespective of price. All idea of profit was gone. It was pride now for which she was fighting. She would not give way, at any rate till the end of this season. Then, then, then. There had come upon her mind an idea that some deluge was about to flow over her, but also an idea that even among the roar of the waters she would hold her head high and carry herself with dignity. But there had come to her now a very trouble of troubles, a crushing blow, a misfortune which could not be got over, which could not even be endured without the knowledge of all those around her. It was not only that she must suffer, but that her suffering must be exposed to all the valley, to all Innsbruck. When Schlessen was closeted with her at that very moment, she had in her pocket a letter from that traitorous butcher at Brixen, saying that after such and such a date he could not continue to supply her with meat at the prices fixed. And this was the answer which the man had sent to a remonstrance from her as to the quality of the article. After submitting for weeks to inferior meat, she had told him that there must be some improvement, and he had replied by throwing her over altogether. What was she to do? Of all the blows which had come to her, this was the worst. She must have meat. She could, when driven to it by necessity, make her own butter, but she could not kill her own beef and mutton. She could send into town for ducks and chickens, and feel that in doing so she was carrying out her own project, that, at any rate, she was encountering no public disgrace. But now she must own herself beaten, and must go back to Innsbruck. And there came upon her, dimly, a conviction that she was bound, both by prudence and justice, to go back to her old friend Hoff. She had clearly been wrong in this matter of meat. Hoff had plainly told her that she was wrong, explaining to her that he had to give much more for his beasts and sheep than he did twenty years ago, to pay more wages to the men who killed them and cut them up, and also to make a greater profit himself, so as to satisfy the increased needs of his wife and daughters. Hoff had been outspoken, and had never wavered for a moment, but he had seemed to the Frau to be almost insolent, 
she would have said too independent when she had threatened to take away her custom he had shrugged his shoulders and had simply remarked that he would endeavour to live without it the words had been spoken with perhaps something of a jeer and the frau had left the shop in wrath she had since repented herself of this because hof had been an old friend and had attended to all her wishes with friendly care but there had been the quarrel and her custom had been transferred to that wretch at brixen if it had been simply a matter of forgiving and forgetting she could have made it up with hof easily enough an hour after her anger had shown itself but now she must own herself to have been beaten she must confess that she had been wrong it was in that matter of meat from that fallacious undertaking made by the traitor at brixen that she in the first instance had been led to think that she could triumph had she not been convinced of the truth of her own theory by that success she would not have been led on to quarrel with all her neighbours and to attempt to reduce zeppel's wages but now when this her great foundation was taken away from her she had no ground on which to stand she had the misery of failure all around her and added to that the growing feeling that in some step of her argument she must have been wrong one should be very sure of all the steps before one allows oneself to be guided in important matters by one's own theories but after some ten days time the supply of meat from brixen would cease and something therefore must be done the brixen trader demanded now exactly the price which hof had heretofore charged and then there was the carriage this was not to be thought of she would not conceal her failure from the world by a submission so disgraceful as that with the brixen man she certainly would deal no more she took twenty-four hours to think of it and then she made up her mind that she would herself go into the town and acknowledge her mistake to hof as to the actual difference of price she did not now care very much about it when a deluge is coming one does not fret oneself as to small details of cost but even when a deluge is coming one's heart and pride and perhaps one's courage may remain unchanged on a certain morning it was known throughout the peacock at an early hour that the frau was going into town that day but breakfast was over before any one was told when and how she was to go such journeyings which were not made very often had always about them something of ceremony on such occasions her dress would be not magnificent as when she was arrayed for festive occasions at home but yet very carefully arranged and equally unlike her ordinary habiliments when she was first seen on this day after her early visit to the kitchen which was not a full-dress affair she was clad in what may be called the beginnings or substratum of her travelling gear she wore a very full rich-looking dark-coloured merino gown which came much lower to the ground than her usual dress and which covered her up high round the throat whenever this was seen it was known as a certainty that the frau was going to travel then there was the question of the carriage and the horses it was generally peter's duty and high privilege to drive her into town and as peter seldom allowed himself a holiday the occasion was to him always a welcome one it was her custom to let him know what was to befall him at any rate the night before but now not a word had been said after breakfast however a message went out that the carriage and horses would be needed and peter prepared himself accordingly 
"'I don't think I need take you,' said the Frau. "'Why not me? There is no one else to drive them. The men are all employed.' Then she remembered that when last she had dispensed with Peter's services, Anton had driven her, that Anton who was now carrying the butter and eggs into market. She shook her head, and was silent for a while in her misery. Then she asked whether the boy, Jacob, could not take her. "'He would not be safe with those horses down the mountains,' said Peter. At last it was decided that Peter should go, but she yielded unwillingly, being very anxious that no one in the valley should be informed that she was about to visit Hof. Of course it would be known at last. Everybody about the place would learn whence the meat came but she could not bear to think that those around her should talk of her as having been beaten in the matter. About ten they started, and on the whole road to Innsbruck hardly a word was spoken between the mother and son. She was quite resolved that she would not tell him whither she was going, and resolved also that she would pay the visit alone. But of course his curiosity would be excited. If he chose to follow her about and watch her, there could be no help for that only he had better not speak to her on the subject, or she would pour out upon him all the vials of her wrath. In the town there was a little hostel called the Black Eagle, kept by a cousin of her late husband, which on these journeys she always frequented. There she and Peter ate their dinner. A table they sat, of course, close to each other, but still not a word was spoken as to her business. He made no inquiry, and when she rose from the table, simply asked her whether there was anything for him to do. "'I am going alone to see a friend,' she said. No doubt he was curious, probably suspecting that Hof the butcher might be the friend, but he asked no further question. She declared that she would be ready to start on the return journey at four, and then she went forth alone. So great was her perturbation of spirit that she did not take the directest way to the butcher's house, which was not, indeed, above two hundred yards from the Black Eagle, but walked round slowly by the river, studying as she went the words with which she would announce her purpose to the man, studying also by what wiles and subtlety she might get the man all to herself, so that no other ear should hear her disgrace. When she entered the shop, Hof himself was there, conspicuous with the huge sharpening steel which hung from his capacious girdle, as though it were the sword of his knighthood. But with him there was a crowd either of loungers or customers, in the midst of whom he stood, tall above all the others, laughing and talking. To our poor Frau it was terrible to be seen by so many eyes in that shop, for had not her quarrel with Hof and her dealings at Brixen been so public that all would know why she had come? "'Ah, my friend Frau Frohmann,' said the butcher, coming up to her with hand extended, "'this is good for sore eyes. I am delighted to see thee in the old town.' This was all very well, and she gave him her hand. As long as no public reference was made to that last visit of hers, she would still hold up her head. But she said nothing. She did not know how to speak as long as all those eyes were looking at her. The butcher understood it all, being a tender-hearted man, and intelligent also. From the first moment of her entrance he knew that there was something to be said intended only for his own ears. "'Come in, come in, Frau Frohmann,' he said. "'We will sit down within, out of the noise of the street and the smell of the carcasses.' 
With that he led the way into an inner room, and the Frau followed him. There were congregated three or four of his children, but he sent them away, bidding them to join their mother in the kitchen. "'And now, my friend,' he said, again taking her hand, "'I am glad to see thee. Thirty years of good fellowship is not to be broken by a word.' By this time the Frau was endeavouring to hide with her handkerchief the tears which were running down her face. I was thinking I would go out to the valley one of these days, because my heart misgave me that there should be anything like a quarrel between me and thee. I should have done, but that day after day there comes always something to be done. And now thou art come thyself. What, shall the price of a side of beef stand betwixt thee and me? Then she told her tale, quite otherwise than as she had intended to tell it. She had meant to be dignified and very short. She had meant to confess that the Brixen arrangement had broken down, and that she would resort to the old plan and the old prices. To the saying of this she had looked forward with an agony of apprehension, fearing that the man would be unable to abstain from some killing expression of triumph, fearing that perhaps he might decline her offer. For the butcher was a wealthy man who could afford himself the luxury of nursing his enmity, but his manner with her had been so gracious that she was altogether unable to be either dignified or reticent. Before half an hour was over she had poured out to him with many tears all her troubles, how she had refused to raise her rate of charges, first out of consideration for her poorer customers, and then because she did not like to demand from one class more than from another. And she explained how she had endeavoured to reduce her expenditure, and how she had failed. She told him of Zeppel and Anton, of Zuse Krapp and Josephine Bull, and above all of that traitor at Brixen. With respect to the valley folk, Hof expressed himself with magnanimity and kindness, but in regard to the rival tradesmen at Brixen, his scorn was so great that he could not restrain himself from expressing wonder that a woman of such experience should have trusted to so poor a reed for support. In all other respects he heard her with excellent patience, putting in a little word here and there to encourage her, running his great steel all the while through his fingers as he sat opposite to her on the side of the table. "'Thou must pay them for their ducks and chickens as before,' he said. "'And you? I will make all that straight. Do not trouble thyself about me. Thy guest at the peacock shall once again have a joint of meat fit for the stomach of a Christian. But, oh, my friend!' "'My friend!' echoed the Frau, waiting to hear what further the butcher would say to her. "'Let a man who has brought up five sons and five daughters, and who has never owed a florin which he could not pay, tell thee something that shall be useful. Swim with the stream.' She looked up into his face, feeling rather than understanding the truth of what he was saying. "'Swim with the stream. It is the easiest and the most useful.' "'You think I should raise my prices?' Is not everybody doing so? The tender ladies are very good, but I cannot sell the meat at a loss. That is not selling, it is giving. Swim with the stream. When other things are dearer, let the peacock be dearer also. But why are other things dearer? Nay, who shall say that? Young Schlesen is a clear-headed lad, and he was right when he told thee of the price of sheep in the old days. But why? There I can say nothing. 
nor is there any reason why I should trouble my head about it. There is a man who has brought me sheep from the Achensee these thirty years, he and his father before him. I have to pay him now, I, more than a third above his first prices. Do you give always what he asks? Certainly not that, or there would be no end to his asking. But we can generally come to terms without hard words. When I pay him more for sheep, then I charge more for mutton, and if people will not pay it, then they must go without. But I do sell my meat, and I live at any rate as well now as I did when the prices were lower. Then he repeated his great advice, Swim with the stream, my friend, swim with the stream. If you turn your head the other way, the chances are you will go backwards. At any rate, you will make no progress. Exactly at four o'clock she started on her return with her son, who, with admirable discretion, asked no question as to her employment during the day. The journey back took much longer than that coming, as the road was uphill all the way, so that she had ample time to think over the advice which had been given her as she leaned back in the carriage. She certainly was happier in her mind than she had been in the morning. She had made no step toward success in her system, had rather been made to feel that no such step was possible. But nevertheless, she had been comforted. The immediate trouble as to the meat had been got over without offence to her feelings. Of course she must pay the old prices. But she had come to understand that the world around her was, in that matter, too strong for her. She knew now that she must give up the business, or else raise her own terms at the end of the season. She almost thought that she would retire to Schwatz, and devote the remainder of her days to tranquillity and religion. But her immediate anxiety had reference to the next six weeks, so that when she should have gone to Schwatz, it might be said of her that the house had not lost its reputation for good living up to the very last. At any rate, within a very few days, she would again have the pleasure of seeing good meat roasting in her oven. Peter, as was his custom, had walked half the hill, and then, while the horses were slowly advancing, climbed up to his seat on the box. Peter, she said, calling to him from the open carriage behind. Then Peter looked back. Peter, the meat is to come from Hoff again after next Thursday. He turned round quick on hearing the words. That's a good thing, mother. It is a good thing. We were nearly poisoned by that scoundrel at Brixen. Hoff is a good butcher, said Peter. Hoff is a good man, said the Frau. Then Peter pricked up, because he knew that his mother was happy in her mind, and became eloquent about the woods and the quarry and the farm. End of chapter 6